Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments, which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle Zisisto and give me the greatest gift of all, which is validation. And that's what always gets me excited when we can solve something that hasn't been solved before, that's fun. Like you're giving women tools to make their life easier. And for me, everything has been so hard. I mean, not my life, but hair is a pain. I don't want to spend a lot of time on my hair if I don't have to, but I don't want it to look hideous. So if we can make products for women that solve these issues and make it easier for them to look good and not have to spend a lot of time to get it, that is like hugely rewarding. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Hey everyone, welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jill Dunn, and I'm here virtually with my trusty sidekick, Carlene Higgins. How are you doing, Carlene? I'm doing great. I just came off my summer staycation, so I'm feeling really refreshed. And I'm really excited about our episode today because it's a founder episode. And, you know, I love the backstory behind some of our favorite iconic products. And today we're chatting with ColorWow founder Gail Federici. You know, our show really is all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. And Gail is truly one of the most genius innovators in the beauty business today and has been for several decades. You've probably all got a product that she invented in your bathroom right now, even if you don't know her name. 
This woman really knows hair. Before Color Wow Gail was the co-founder and CEO at John Frieda. And not a lot of people know that because it's John Frieda's name on the label. But of course, he's a renowned British hairstylist and he is a real person. Together, they were the masterminds behind Frizz E's hair serum. That was at a time that anti-frizz products didn't even really exist yet. And 2.1 units sold every minute around the world. It's truly an icon product. And Gail, she's also the brains behind Sheer Blonde. That was definitely breakthrough at the time of its launch as well. And Gail ran that business for more than a dozen years before it was sold to Cal Brands for nearly half a billion dollars. But as someone that Women's Wear Daily has called the unstoppable entrepreneur, it wasn't long until Gail was on to her next venture, Colorwell. Now, ColorWow has been called the apple of the beauty world, and that's because like a tech company, all of their products are so smart, so forward thinking. They're almost anticipating what we as women really want and need for our hair before we even know it. Totally. So let's talk about ColorWow's most iconic product. Hands down, it's got to be the root cover-up. It's won Allure's Best in Beauty seven times. And really, it looks like nothing more than an eyeshadow kit, but it's actually like hair magic. That product is more relevant than ever right now. I know you and I are both leaning on it to touch up our roots when we can't see our hair colorists. So let's get into our chat with the queen of no bad hair days. In this episode, you'll find out the secrets behind Gail's knack for inventing, including the backstory behind that iconic Frizz-E serum and the Color Wow root cover-up that spawned so many knockoffs. She's also going to take us through the wild ride of selling her original company that involved a coin flip. I kid you not. And what it's really like to walk away from a company you've worked so hard to build. You know, that cannot be easy. Finally, Gail's going to tell us what it's like working with Kim Kardashian's main man, Chris Appleton. I love him so much. And he's arguably the secret weapon behind Color Wow's trajectory from secret cult status to mass fandom. And without further ado, here she is, Gail Federici. Okay, so we're going to take it way back for a minute. Um, (laughs) Tell us where you grew up and what your family life was like. Well, I grew up in Connecticut, in Mm -hmm. Stamford, and there were four kids. I was the oldest. And the bossiest, for sure, be, being the oldest. And it was just a pretty normal, a normal family life, really. I think I get passion for inventing things because my father was in the computer business way, way, way back. And he invented this program for fulfilling subscriptions to magazines way back. And that was sort of his expertise, math and, and coming up with solutions a problem. So I think that environment sort of nurtured my my wanting to figure problems out. And what was your relationship like with beauty or specifically your hair back then? <laughs> so did you have any hair moments that you'll sort of never forget? Like I've certainly had bad haircuts back in the day. Oh, forget it. I had great hair until I was 13. Really straight, really silky. At 13 with hormones changing, I needed glasses. My hair started to wave and majorly frizz. And I needed braces. So I was like 
a real wonderful beauty at that point in time. I think it scarred me forever. (laughs) And my hair kept getting worse and worse and worse. But as a result, um, I always say if I had good hair, I probably would have never made five cents in my whole life. But I (laughs) seriously, I had to figure out how to deal with it because I have a lot of hair, but it's fine and frizzy. So I had to learn how to blow dry my hair like at 13 or I would unwrap my hair and set it in big orange juice cans or whatever. Um, And then when I went to college, I wound up doing everybody's hair for the formals because I was just so used to dealing with it. I knew how to blow dry well. I knew how to put it up. I knew how to just deal with pretty much any hair type. So through college, I was doing people's hair and it just, you know, out of necessity, you figure things out. And how did you end up working in the hair industry then? Was it by accident? So when I was about 28, I had gone back to Paris to study at the University of Paris and I had had five years of French in school and I thought, I really want to be fluent. That's a goal. So I went with another friend and while I was there, my mother got sick and I had to fly back and she had cancer and it was really serious. So I couldn't work. So I was temping when I could work because I was staying with her and taking her to doctor's appointments. I just fell into a job at Zotos, which at the time it's a trade company and they specialized in perms. In fact, the chemist there, Dr. McDonough, invented the permanent wave. So it was really, I mean, just by accident that I wound up temping there and I liked it. And I went from temping to my mother passed away and I wound up working there full time. We know a big part of your career was when you worked with John Frieda during Mm -hmm. that that era. So tell us how you would come to meet John. And, you know, I think most of our listeners know that he, then he, you created this line and it was a huge drugstore success. So tell us about that. So in 19, I think it was 87 or 88, I was over in London doing um, some shoots for the company. And while I was there, um, Dwight Miller said, check out the alternative hair show. There's going to be 10 or 12 different hairdressers doing shows. You can pick somebody for our conference in Milan the following year. So I'd been to so many hair shows by then and I thought I can't do another one. I went and they'll very, and one after the other, I'm thinking, this is just not right for us. This is like, it's too off brand for us. It's too, a little bit too avant-garde. And the last show of the night, and you didn't see the person, you just saw their models. So the last show was amazing. It was beautiful, um, beautiful hair. I mean, executed perfectly. It was a little Marie Antoinette-ish. And the gowns were all done by David Emmanuel, who designed Princess Diana's dress. So one after the other that came out was breathtaking. And I said, who did this show? to my friend Anne, who became a partner, said, who did this? We have to find out this is the guy or woman, whoever it is. And it was John, Frida. So we called and had a meeting with him and asked him if he would 
attend as guest artists this show in Milan that we were doing. It was 88 or 89. And he agreed. During that process of working with him, I'd had twins, one of whom was born with congenital heart disease. I knew she was going to need surgeries. And I was just thinking about money. I need to make more money because I wanted to make sure whatever I needed for her, I could have. So as I was talking to John and getting to know John, I started to have this idea and I said, would you be interested in doing a book and videos for the trade? I said, because in the US, styling wasn't anything at the time. It was still more cut and blow dry. There weren't many styling products out at that time. Bottom line is we spent five days together with him and his business partner at the time, myself, and we just talked for three days only about hair and pin curling and every little aspect of hair. And I kept thinking about it. And then I just spent, I remember every night writing for hours, chapter by chapter, sending it to John. He would send it back with comments. And we wrote the precision styling system, it was called, for the trade with a bunch of videos. And that's how I really got to know John and understand his thinking. He understood mine at the time. And we sold it to to Zotos. And they sold it on to the trade. So that's how we met. Mm -hmm. At the time, he had a small capsule line of his own bespoke products, John Frieda. And for the following year, he would call me and ask me for advice. And I would, you know, just put in my two cents. And I was going to leave the company and start my own advertising agency with Anne because I was done with hair. I've been doing it for 10 years. I said, I don't want to think about another hair product. I don't want to figure out how to pitch the product to anybody. I said, I will do anything. I will do, you know, hardware stores. I don't care what it is. I don't want to do hair anymore. And then I met John and it was just sort of a mind meld. And we were on the same page about things. And he launched a few products that he had in boots in about 16 so stores. And he went on TV and it just went crazy. And he called me and he said, I need help. Would you consider working with me on the product side? I've never done this. We've just shipped out all products to boot stores. We've hand delivered them. We have no paperwork. We have no invoices. I said, well, you're not going to get paid. So um, that's sort of how it started. And I talked to Anne and I said, we know this. We know how to make products. I spent so many hours up in the lab with Dr. McDonough and other brilliant chemists. And I said to John, listen, I have an idea for my own hair type for frizzy hair. I said, because I've been constantly trying to think of ingredients that would work. And I said, if I work with you and also Anne works with you and come over there, can I pursue this other product line? He said, fine, whatever, um, come over. So Anne and I left. I'm so bad with the dates. I guess it was around 88 or 9, 89, to live in London. So I brought my twin daughters, husband, 
stayed home because he couldn't leave his job because who knew whether this was going to work or not. Anne left her husband behind. We shared a house with the twins, me, Anne, and a nanny. And that's where it started in London. And so that product line that you're talking about is kind of a cult classic, the Frizz Ease Serum, right? Yeah. And I know that Frizz Ease Serum sells 2.1 units every minute right now. Mm. It just ended up being a magic bullet, right? How did, you know, how did that sort of skyrocket? Well, you know, it was interesting. I worked with a chemist in, in London and a chemist that I actually had worked with at Zotos. And I was trying different formulas and I said, I think silicone, and they weren't really used then. I said, I think silicone might be like a nail polish top coat. I said, it might just seal it down and leave it fairly silky and shiny. I said, that's the only input. I may have said something about dimethicone copolyol. I don't know at the time, probably limited and worked with this chemist, tried different things, tried what was the serum that we came out with and it made a huge difference. There was nothing for my hair type at the time, zero. So I said, I think this is good. Let's send it out to the salon stylists. Mm -hmm. We gave it, we put a whole bunch in their hands and within a week, the amount of calls we got from the stylist, we knew that we had something special. We called it Frizzies. We launched it in Boots, just that one product. And it started to go crazy because John did a TV show, mm -hmm. showed it live. And he said to me, we've got to get this to the U.S. We've got to get this to the U.S. I did not know the retail market in the U.S. Ecker Drug called us. I'll never forget. And we flew to America and we were scared to death, you know, and we went in and we only had this one bottle and we had to price it at $10, which was hugely expensive at the time because first of all, it was only 1.67 ounces. Everything else in there was two in, in the high $2, $3. And it was for eight ounces. So people were saying, this is ridiculous. You're never going to get it. People to buy that for $9.99. But we couldn't make it cheaper and it worked. So we went in and I remember I knew nothing. Meanwhile, John is you know, relying on me because I'm the American. So I should know the American market, right? And we go in and they said, will you be able to do any TPRs? What's your plan for TPRs? I said, what's a TPR? I don't know what a TPR is. And they said a temporary price reduction. I said, I don't know. Will that cost us money <laughs> to pay for that? I said, well, we can't do it. And then they said, will you periodically be able to do BOGO? And I'm looking at John and going, what's a BOGO? <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about retail. And I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, good partner I have here knowing the American market. <laughs> um, but he liked us because... Basically, I said, listen, it's so small. We're not going to take up a lot of space. If it doesn't work for you, you can toss us out. But if it doesn't work for us, we have nothing. We can't feed our families. We are going to make this work. Believe me, it doesn't matter to you like it matters to us. Just give us a chance. Here are the numbers. And the guy was so nice, gave us a chance. And we started putting John on all the local TV shows. And the two of us would 
travel, find models in malls, and do the shows. We'd wait till the next day, check the Ecker drugstores, and they would be sold out like that. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. And within months, it was in the trade journals as being referred to as the hula hoop. It was pretty... (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty shocking. Just completely different. So then you went on to create Sheer Blonde, which was a huge success as well in the drugstores. Nobody was really creating, you know, products specific to hair color like that before. So you were kind of killing it. When did you decide it was time to move on? Never. To be honest, we were not planning to sell at all. Throughout the years, people came to us. And to be honest, our strategy was, talk to them and act like we're interested because otherwise they might knock us off immediately. So we thought if we dragged it out, at least we would have more months to get a little better footing. So that was always our strategy. We were never planning to sell. At the time with cow, we still weren't planning to sell. We were talking to them and then they offered a lot of money. And John said, kidding me like this is amazing let's take this I said no I don't think so I said I think we have you know too many bigger plans and I don't really want to sell now he goes are you sure about this I said no really I said unless they offered us something crazy and it was taking up a lot of our time all of these meetings just all of the lawyers it was constant and we had so much on our plate so I said to John I really want to just call their lawyers and say we appreciate it you know, we're not being ungrateful. I know you think it's a great offer and it is a huge amount of money, but we don't, we're not ready and we think it's worth a lot more than that. And I know that seems crazy to you, but that's just how we feel. So that's what I said. I called them and then that was it. And then the next day they upped it so much that it was the day after so much. I got the call and I'm looking at John and I'm going, Oh my God. I said, (laughs) I said, I think we have to take this. And he said, yes, yes. Cause he was ready more than I was. Um, (laughs) I said, I think we have to take it. I said, it would be irresponsible to our families not to take it. But I was really conflicted. I was, I wasn't happy really. And neither was Anne or, but I felt, you know, it would be wrong for our families to not do it. We sold even on the way to the lawyers after so much work. I was in the car with John and I'm going and with our CFO. And I said, let's flip a coin and let fate decide. I said, heads, we don't sell. Tails, we do. And it came up tails. I go two out of three. And the CFO and my brother's a lawyer. They were white. They thought she's mad as a hatter. She might do this. She might renege on the deal right now. And it came out um, tails, but, and I'm sure I would have gone through it anyway, but I was not happy about it. And I was probably in a state of shock, I think for a year, like a little post-traumatic stress going on because I just wasn't prepared and it happened so quickly. And it was, you know, everything we had put so much into for 10 years. So yeah, it was hard. Oh my 
quick pause to let you know about one of our new show partners, Rory. So anybody else out there looking in the mirror at the end of the summer going, I need a little bit of a skin reset. That's definitely me. So whether you're concerned about dullness, redness, fine lines, or breakouts, trying to find the right routine that works for your skin can be a little frustrating. So that's why I'm pumped to tell you about Rory today. Rory is a digital health clinic for women, and they make it simple to connect with a healthcare professional online and get a prescription skincare treatment that's right for you with dermatologist selected ingredients and customized blends. So you log on to Rory and complete a free online consultation where you answer questions about your skin concerns and the type of treatment that you're looking for. Plus you upload a photo and within 24 hours, you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed healthcare professional. After your visit, if appropriate for your case, a doctor or nurse practitioner will recommend a custom blended nightly defense treatment option based on your priorities and skin type. And the best part is that it's free two-day shipping and no trip to the dermatologist or pharmacy is necessary. You can also follow up with a healthcare professional anytime if you need to make a change to your treatment or if you have any questions. They're with you every step of the way on your skincare journey. And with Rory, there's no commitments and you can cancel anytime. Well, Rory has a special offer just for our Breaking Beauty listeners based in the US. Go to hellorory.com beauty to try out your nightly defense for just $5. It's free to chat with a doctor and your first order is just $5. That's hellorory.com slash beauty. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. We'll link to that offer in the show notes and on our blog. Now back to today's podcast. I'm guessing you signed a non-compete agreement, meaning you weren't allowed yes. to work in hair for, what was it, five years? Five, yes. So what did you do during that time? So we went into music because one of the things that we did at John Frieda is I have twin girls and they can sing. I can't sing. My husband's a really good singer. They obviously got that from him. And we put them in our Sheer Blonde TV commercials back in the day because they photograph really well. They have blonde hair and they would let us, the key was also, they would let us cut their hair, whereas models wouldn't. And I said, I don't want to see long, blonde, flowing hair that looks like L'Oreal, P&G back in the day, all of them had this long, I can't tell one ad from the other. I said, I don't want to do that. I said, I want really cool haircuts. And Sally Hirschberger was working with us at the time who did Meg Ryan. And she cut these two incredible haircuts on my daughters. Amazing, which we could have never gotten if we used models. And it just, blew up. So the first ad that we did with the girls, we got calls from everywhere. They got calls from casting agents and everything else. They thought they were older. They were like 14 or something at the time. Anyway, we then did a commercial with them. They were singing in it. It became huge. Everywhere we went when they saw the girls, waiters, you know, waitresses, people at airports would sing the jingle to them and follow them around. And I loved doing that. I loved being in the studio, helping to write the jingle, you know, and writing the jingle for the Beach Blonde, helping. I didn't write the whole thing. I loved all of that music. And then people were interested in my daughters as singers. So I thought, I don't know, maybe let's try music. We can't do anything else. I love it. People are interested in the girls. John Frieda's brother had a building in London with all studios in it. So we went into the music business for five years which turned me and everyone around me gray. 
during the time that we were in it. <laughs> we met some amazing people like Tricky Stewart, who wrote Single Ladies for Beyonce and Umbrella for Rihanna and Baby for Justin Bieber. These He hadn't written them at the time. It was He wrote right after, but they were so talented and it was just such a difference and it was really fun. And it was yeah. during that time that people were older in the office and I just happened to notice that a lot of the people had these gray stripes down and I'm going, thinking to myself, why why aren't you doing something about that? Like, why aren't you covering it? So I said to them, I said, why aren't you putting my sister, especially both of them? I said, why, why do you come in like that? Why don't you cover that gray? They go, there's nothing out there. There's these sprays, there's these markers. So there's always a time where you see their gray until they get it colored. So I said, I wonder if we could make something. Not thinking to go back into hair. I didn't even want to go back into hair. And I thought, but let's just see. And it took us three years because I had this idea from a shoot that I worked on. I won't go into the whole thing, but I had that idea in the back of my head. And in three years later, we have this powder that not only sticks to your hair, blends perfectly, but you can swim in it. It doesn't come off. It doesn't transfer to your pillow. It's just so easy to do. And I looked at everybody when, you know, year after year, it's not working. It's blowing off. It's transferring. Uh, So we kept making tweaks it would be criminal not to give this to the women out there. You know, for me, solving problems, like I said, is what makes me tick. And I thought, even though I felt been there, done that, and came out on top, I didn't think we could do anything. When we were able to do this, I said, we need to bring this to the women out there. It's key. Absolutely. It's like a feel-good product, right? When you have those grays coming through. Yes. It just, it makes you, you lose your confidence and you just don't go into any situation like your usual strongest self, right? But I have a question for you about yeah. just how you came up with that format. So maybe what did it, did you use eyeshadow? Because it looks like an eyeshadow palette going back to that shoot. The um, hairdresser put a blonde wig on a model and it looked un- very unnatural. So he took eyeshadow and darkened the roots to make it look better. But when we hit it with the fans, the dust was going in the air and it also was dull. You know, Mm -hmm. it was powdery and dull looking. So, but the idea of it stuck with me and I said, I wonder if we could make it more reflective and if we could get it to adhere to the hair. I said, because hair is negatively charged. If we could make a positively charged powder stuck together and also was reflective. I said, the problem with eyeshadows is really the color of them. They weren't, and they blew off. So that was the idea for it from back then to get away from sprays. And for me, I don't ever want to wet my hair. So to spray my hair after I've blown it dry, the last thing I'm going to do is do anything to wet it. So to spray anything on, if it were me, or to use markers that were wet and they were opaque and they didn't look like shoe polish. There was nothing out there. And I thought, this is so crazy. I said, because this has been a problem from forever. There mm-hmm. should be a solution for this. This is nuts. And so when we yeah. did it, I said, we've got to come out with this. So Yeah. So you amped up that formula. So it's not just an eyeshadow. And I know no. there's a quote from you saying that there were cell phones and then there were iPhones. And you said that with this Root Touch Up product, you know, there were Root products and then there was Color Wow. So... That's a I like statement. that you yes, I like that you picked that up because that 
seems obvious, but that was such a struggle for us because when the art department and copywriters were writing for an end cap in Ulta, it was sort of kiss your grays goodbye, kiss your grays away, no more grays, blah, blah. And I said, we can't have anything like that. I said, because consumers are not going to care about another root cover-up because they have a bad rap. They don't work. They've been around for 50 years. The sales of root cover of root products in general are not great. Nobody loves them. Nobody likes them. If they're just going to say, oh, another root cover up, it's garbage. So for three months, they were working on it and getting really frustrated with me because I kept going, oh. So we have this big talk. I said, it's like the difference between a rotary phone and an iPhone. It's that kind of a jump in technology. And then the team came back with the next handheld device to change your life compact open and put it out there and it put the right thought process into the minds of the consumer and it flew out right away but it was a struggle yeah and you called it color wow because that's that sort of gives you that the reaction you have yeah, like whenever it's we like put it on they go wow because it's like it's amazing <laughs> when you do it my sister came up with a name because it was really in a way obvious because every time we demonstrated it or put highlights into somebody's hair, wow. Everybody's go, wow. It was so under the radar for such a such Agreed. an amazing product. Like it was so friggin' good. And you're like, how have I never heard of this before? Yeah. You know, no, it was right. such a quiet, slow burn. And there's been so many knockoffs. Like how did you feel yes. when you saw the first? <laughs> annoyed they're like kiss your grace goodbye no exactly <laughs> it's annoying it's annoying but i'm thinking i don't think they can duplicate this formula because it's really tricky so we would get everyone in to see if somehow they put because we put an insane amount of time into it because we weren't going against the clock we were you know down in atlanta in hip-hop world and doing pop music and it wasn't a rush to launch something and it took us a long time to get those kind of shade matches so forgiving and to really stay on the hair like that. So every time somebody knocked us off and we tested and ours always, we breathed a sigh of relief. Like competition always knows when you have something good, but the consumer doesn't always because we didn't have the money and, and it just wasn't getting into their heads that this isn't going to take away from your color until... Mm-hmm more recently and now with this pandemic literally we couldn't make enough and it doesn't come off until you shampoo it out exactly right exactly so can you explain how that works you know it's the bonding process of your hair having a, a negative charge and the product having a positive and it's also the combination of powders and it's not exactly oil but makes it adhere so well to be honest when we made it, I did not know you could swim in it. And what happened was my sister, Lynn, who is, we call her the kook, either that or we call her Houston because she always comes into my office with a problem and tells me, you've got a problem. So I go, okay, Houston, you have one too if I have one, okay? You're my sister. So comes in and it's like an egg beater and she won't care. I tell her this all the time. Egg beater did her hair. She could care less about her hair. She could have one blue sock on or blue shoe and one black shoe. She's in her head at all times. She's totally. So she divorced. 
She was going down to meet friends in Florida. She's leaving the office. I look at her. Her hair is crazy and she has a big gray streak. I said, Lynn, sit in the chair. And I flatten her hair. I put the root cover up. I go, okay, now go. So she heads to the airport. She calls me on Sunday. She said, you're never going to believe what's happened. I said, you met somebody because I did your hair so great. <laughs> and so <laughs> and I thought she really met somebody. And so she said, I was swimming all day, Gail. My hair dried. My roots are still covered. I said, you're kidding me. She said, I swear to you, my roots are covered. That's how we found out. We had no idea that you could swim in it. We knew it didn't transfer. If you brushed mm-hmm. it afterwards, you know, you put it on. And if you have any additional, you just brush through it. But we knew it wouldn't transfer. But I did not know. Had my sister not gone down there and me put it in, I did not know that it would stick that well to the hair. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And now you have other extensions. You know, you have shampoo and conditioner. And of course, there's the Dream Coat, Dream Supernatural. Coat. Yeah, anti-humidity spray, which is, you know, probably, I, I think I heard it outpaced the root touch-up in terms it of did. sales. So that has exploded. So at what point in Color Wow's story did everything level up and just kind of go boom? And what happened? Three years ago, I really wanted to make a commitment to digital because I felt we didn't have distribution all throughout the U.S., was taking long in order to have the funds to pay everybody to really innovate. We needed to make money. And I said, listen, in every period, there is some form of media that is key that you have to master in order to win. And so I said, we have to master digital. That's the future. We can't be stuck in what we did at John Frieda. It's completely different. So got every book I could get like about four years ago on the internet and advertising and whatever. And then, you know, everything changes so quickly. So looking at best practices, reading everything I could online and started internally in the company, putting an emphasis on the digital side of the business because there were so, the most of the salons didn't even have us in there, had no distribution in most of the country. And so much of it, I said, we need to take it into our own hands and get to consumers online. So that started and we got better and better at doing that. I also asked Kim, my other sister who does PR and someone else in the company, Shelly, and I said to them, I said, I need a John Frieda. I, or Sally Hirschberger, I work with these hairdressers. I understand it and I need to have them as a sounding board. It's like really important for me. So They kept bringing me different portfolios. I'm looking at people online and just nobody, you know, I just didn't feel it. And then they said, what about this person? And I looked at his portfolio, Chris Appleton, and he wasn't famous at the time. He had only done Rita Ora, the singer from London. And his portfolio to me, for my aesthetic, and it's important that I'm on the same page because I don't want to be like tugging, you know push. And so I saw his work and I said, who the heck is Chris Appleton? I've never heard of him. So we do a Skype and I Skype with him and he was so sure of himself and in not a cocky way, just 
really, you could tell this guy knows what he's doing. He looks good. And he was funny also. Sometimes people don't see that side. And he hadn't done the Kardashians. He hadn't done J-Lo, Katy Perry, or any of Ariana Grande. But very shortly after that, he did. But it's so important for me to have somebody working with the hair on a daily basis and giving them Mm -hmm. our products to work Mm -hmm. with and get feedback so that we can really, because it's for me, it's the fun for me is making a difference. You know, I mean, you want to make money, but it's not just about, oh, here's a trend, follow the trend and you can make money. It never was fun for me. It's like someone once said, if you make meaning, you make money. And when you make meaning, you know, more rewarding, and then you will make money eventually. I mean, it did take us a long time, but we eventually got the message across. So, And so did he help develop Dreamcoat? Did Chris? No, he did not. He tested it. Our Dr. Joe, who I've worked with since Zodos, actually, and he worked with us all through John Frieda. And now, I mean, he has a list of things from me of problems to solve. Some have been on that list for 10 years. Okay. And he hasn't solved it yet. And we always say we have bad hair days, so you don't have to. I can't tell you the number of days that my hair is revolting because I'm trying products that don't work. I mean, I wear a hat so often because I just am not going to go in and wash everything out again. But he came up with this and I tried it and I thought, whoa, this is good. And then he showed me hair without it on and dropping water on it. And it just sinks into the hair. And then you blow dry it with this, the dream coat and you drop water on it and it just beads up like sunbrella material. And I said, oh my God, Joe, this is insane. This is like a very special. And that's what always gets me excited. When we can solve something that hasn't been solved before, that's fun. Like you're giving women tools to make their life easier. And for me, everything has been so hard not my life, but hair is a pain. I don't want to spend a lot of time on my hair if I don't have to, but I don't want it to look hideous. So if we can make products for women and make it easier for them to look good and not have to spend a lot of time to get it, that is like hugely rewarding to me and to the team. And you've been working in hair care for just so many years. And I feel like the common thread for all of your innovations is like, you're just able to see this like white space, like what people are needing and what women want. And like Mm -hmm. you said, evolving with the time. So if you have your crystal ball out, what do you think is next for hair care? I mean, I don't ever tell anybody what we're working on, but I mean, any problems that you have yourselves, like I, you probably, I mean, you both look like you don't have real problem hair. The thing about Chris, which is why I really like to work with him, What makes him so coveted by the celebrities is he transforms the texture of their hair and it looks richer, the texture and more luxurious. And it's like they're born with perfect hair. Clearly he's using extensions sometimes, but extensions don't look beautiful either. He, the way he treats them, the way he uses product and what he's asking us for, it's all about giving people it's like the hair you were born with always but not having you have to spend an insane amount of time on it because having had to do that my whole life it's all about speed and and beautiful texture 
So obviously right now, it's a pretty tenuous time in the salon and spa industry. And I know we have a lot of hairdressers and salon owners that listen to our show. And I was curious, do you have any words of wisdom that sort of guide you and have guided you throughout your career that maybe might be inspiring to some of them? You can't do your business the same exact way and think you're going to be able to survive. I don't think. I think you really need to do, I think you have to really start seriously thinking about, you could do a simple website, but you have to embrace the digital age. There are a lot of salons that I know in London that have that capability. They're going online. They're making up packages, putting them outside the salon. They're making a ton of money and people are picking it up that way. They're dropping it off and they've made a lot of money during this. And it's like a new side of their business that they're starting to really appreciate and figure out more ways to make that side of the business bigger because they're like little stores. So if you've got less happening, you need to do more treatments and you need to have more products that you can prescribe to your clients because you've got the expertise, but you're not necessarily prescribing because they don't want to seem like they're salespeople. When it's actually helpful And I think you need to do that in order to supplement your income. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday.